This is the Master of Cinema cast. My name's Tom Jennings. And I'm Joachim Thiessen. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about the Albert and David Maysell's masterpiece, Salesman. Um, I know Joachim have, uh, has already expressed some um, uh, discomfort with this film, so I'm just going to highlight even more how much I love it. Um, we, have, we haven't really got any kind of any news to report because we're actually recording this one back to back and um, hopefully we'll kind of release them kind of quite close to each other. So, um, Joachim, should we just wade in then and talk about Salesman? Yeah, let's do it. I'm your good friend, the Bible sales, but I'm coming, 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 coming for the you home. I'm going to make $35,000 this coming year. And I expect to make 50000 Do you think the dollar a day would really hurt you? I wouldn't want to place it if you couldn't afford it. Well, I don't think I better commit myself. Mm-hmm. Why, right, you call me tonight. I don't understand very well English. We got a job to do, and I don't know more excuses. You know, geez, now we come down here to work. Go out there and hit I'm your good friend, the Bible says, but I'm coming, 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 coming for the you home. When I went to university, Salesman was really, and, and still is in many respects, the, I, I guess it's, it's the foundation of most documentary film courses. You will watch this film. And even when I first saw it, I was, this was probably when I was 18, 15 years ago, something like that. I was completely blown away by it. And I have watched it many, many times since. And Albert and David Maysells, the filmmakers behind this film, are, I consider them to be two of the most important pioneers in the history of cinema. And I know so many people, they, they kind of wax lyrical about kind of the people like George Lucas and what they've done for cinema and yeah, indeed they have kind of made kind of a huge contribution and we have obviously we you Alfred Hitchcock and people like that but I think these two guys um have they changed cinema and certainly the way we view and consume cinema and not just basically stylistically but kind of technology that they had to invent in order to realize the, what they wanted to do with film to be able to kind of make lightweight cameras and to kind of to, to free up how films were made and to me going back to their work every time it doesn't matter what film I'm watching with kind of you know give me shelter or or anything like that these films always for me stand out and I, I mean I just want to talk, talk about in general I mean how have you in the past come across many cells before yeah, I have. Uh, I've uh, done a documentary course in my uh, film studies, uh, and I was uh, reading um, documentary like history and uh, how important they were to the establishment of uh, like the two man crew and the mobility of a camera crew and how that changed the entire environment around how a documentary is made and how you perceive how you perceive a documentary because. This is um, debate or divide of whether a documentary crew is supposed to be a fly on the wall or whether they're supposed to interact with their subjects. And I think the Maisels, they definitely think of themselves as a fly on the wall, even though I think that is a ludicrous thought to have. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. And just to kind of, I suppose we need to talk about kind of the, the movement of which they're part of it is commonly known as direct cinema. 
And the idea was really that the, the filmmaker, the documentarian, would have as little input into the film as possible in terms of the fact that they simply would kind of fade into the background as it were and just let kind of the action take place and the kind of the idea i suppose would be trying to resent represent and capture reality with as much integrity as you possibly can now i think just before we kind of get into the film we can kind of talk about kind of documentaries in general really because i love documentary cinema um i am (laughs) to me it's it's as interesting as going and watching fictional films at the cinema i will go and watch documentaries at the cinema and i'm always amazed by how well attended screenings are um Hmm. of that and i often have debates with people because they say well what's the difference what's the difference between that and television and i think there's a massive detriment uh difference between a a, a proper documentary film and a documentary tv program um certainly you, you can tell one from the other as, as far as i'm concerned the, it might just be things from like the music um that, that's used and you know literally buying you know, having to having the funds to be able to kind of get licensing and also the amount of coverage they can get the people they can get to interviews i mean all this kind of costs money and i i, I love documentary cinema it's, it's always been something that um has, has kind of captured my imagination and these two guys and various other um kind of practitioners in the direct cinema movement i i, I think they kind of people like richard leacock and da pennebaker um they're they don't get the credit that they deserve for for what they've done for cinema i i, I think it is it should be shouted from the rooftops they should be household names and they're simply not and i watched this tragic documentary a couple of years ago on the bbc and it was showing them and they kind of live in you know, they, they they should be as rich as the the most important people out there in cinema and they're simply not you know they, they they're just very much kind of very humble people who live in kind of very kind of humble houses and it's a little bit sad i think i don't know kind of to what extent you agree but i i, it, I always think to myself these are names which people should know and they simply don't yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, I'm definitely a lover of documentaries. And whenever I have like 10 fictional films in a documentary, I will always put on the documentary. It's something that I just find the form and the, like, obviously the reality of it. But there's something that is utterly more fascinating putting on a documentary than putting on a fictional film. And um, you are obviously correct that these should be online with like directors like Ridley Scott and Spielberg and like the Maisels are that important in cinema history but obviously the the market is the one that is ruling and the money money rules the world as they say so sadly that is not the reality most people do not watch documentaries uh, with such admiration as we do yeah and it's a shame um you can go on Facebook now and you can see posts about the um perceived box office of pacific rim that will run into <laughs> about 300 and it, it's just it's, it's I, I just bang my head against a brick wall the mm. fact that people are driveling on about this uninteresting just utter crap when there's just more interesting elements of film to discuss and i i guess i mean of all the May sales brothers films salesman is my favorite and for various reasons that we we kind of like tuck into now really i mean it, it's a film literally that follows some bible salesmen around america and the may sales brothers themselves were actually 
door to door salesman. They knew that they knew this world that they were going to go into. And we kind of have a few characters um, who kind of crop up. Um, a guy called Jamie, whose nickname's the Rabbit. There's a guy called Paul, whose nickname's the Badger. There's a one called Raymond, whose nickname's the Bull. There's one called Charles, who's called the Gipper. And we, we watched them go into people's homes and try and sell. Um, I, I suppose they're kind of like illustrated Bibles and religious encyclopedias. And to and they they kind of go under the guise that they're there from the Catholic Church and they're fully endorsed by the Catholic Church. And basically, we just sit there and watch them try and sell these Bibles to a variety of different people. Now, it doesn't sound from the description that I've given to be a particularly kind of gripping film, or and it isn't in many respects. But I actually think it's it's a brilliant film in in many respects. And I know you had a slightly different opinion of it, didn't you? I wouldn't say that. I'm not saying that I hate the film or anything. I just feel that the the utter adulation and like the masterpiece word that is thrown out there, I I can't really see it to that esteem. I do really find it. I do find it interesting, but there are certain elements of the film that it irks me. Just in, I think that my knowledge of their movement and their thoughts on documentary it bothered it, it disturbs my my embrace of the film i feel i feel like it, um the fact that they are considering themselves to be these filmmakers that are just simply quote-unquote capturing reality when you can see that they are cutting scenes together or cutting shots together that are not in uh, correct order and you can see that they are cutting from one picture to another where there should be a cameraman, but they are cutting it so that it feels like it is it is in real time, it is in sequence, but it's obviously cut together. And that sort of goes against the entire notion of direct cinema. And there's just, just things like that that sort of bothers me and kind of keeps me from fully engaging in the film. And another thing that we, we can sort of talk about that first. How do you feel about it? Yeah, it's such an interesting point because as soon as if you, if any of any environment where you put a camera on someone and christ we live in this, this age now where we've all got um 1080p cameras on our phones and you can be sat there at a wedding or something like that as soon as you put a camera on someone they begin acting differently hmm. it, it, it's just a simple fact that if you start you know, any situation where you say we're capturing reality you can invariably say that you are going to somehow manipulate the situation especially in filmmaking because a simple edit here and a chop there and you can completely change the context of the scene and i'm really glad you brought that point up because one of the ones which the sort of debates that i always kind of have with people regarding documentaries and kind of reality and capturing it is the debate surrounding like michael moore films and Hmm. people say how manipulative they are well, of course they are. He, you know, he's making a very, very specific point. But I don't hear people saying the same, making exactly the same accusations of a film against like um, you know, A Fistful of Quarters, in which the whole premise of this film is that this is this kind of like guy who's like this underdog who just wants to kind of compete against the the best King Kong, um, Donkey Kong, sorry, player in the world. And the film makes it out that they, they don't ever meet. Well, in reality, they did. And yet people don't moan about the artifice of that. They don't moan about the uh, the 
that the fact that the, the filmmakers have essentially lied. The entire premise of the film is false. Yet the same way they do with Michael Moore, and I, I think it comes down to the fact that it 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 completely comes down to people's perspective and what they want to believe to the degree in which they ignore the clear artifice of documentary films. And my sort of philosophy is, as long as really that if you say if you factually incorrect things such as you know some things happened on a certain date and some things didn't happen there well that's blatant that's just that's just poor filmmaking full stop if you're making a documentary film i don't necessarily have a problem with the manipulation of scenes because i i i'm quite happy with the fact and i'm quite accepting of the fact that i know going into a documentary film i'm going to watch something which is real to an extent but hmm. To, to, you're being incredibly naive if you go and watch a documentary film come out and say well I believe everything I've just seen and heard because film is about manipulation and documentary is no is, is no different to any other form of documentary filmmaking yeah uh, and I, I have definitely the same viewpoint but I feel like the Maisels they oh, at the time that this film was made they didn't have that viewpoint and that might just <laughs> Just my historical knowledge of that, it sort of, that influences my view of the film. I think you have to take into account, they're not, they're, they're saying what they aspire to mm. want to do with their films. They're not necessarily saying that they're achieving that. I mean, I've, I've never sort of seen or heard them say, you know, go and watch Salesman, it is absolutely 100% real. I think at the end of the day, in fact, I think what what they do within their films is that they prove how impossible they're sort of, philosophy is on documentary filmmaking you can take a scene where you have the character of paul who's a kind of he, he sort of becomes a central character doesn't he um one of the salesmen and there's a scene in the film where he's just sat there looking out of a window on a train and it keeps cutting back to a conference they're at where the, the other salesmen are talking about their aspirations and we know this guy's kind of sales are down and he's kind of feeling very low about what he does but the two scenes are completely different that they're not he's not looking out the window in that moment thinking about the other salesman hmm. and and, th and that's what i think I, I think that's what you're kind of talking about isn't it the fact that they're kind of juxtaposing images cutting things together that are, aren't related not only that but because i yeah that's some of it but more it's that they uh, create scenes that are in the same room and they Juxta or they cut together images to create a scene more than portraying um then I feel like they they're being disingenuous with how they are uh, cutting some of the scenes together, especially I think there was a scene where they're, they're trying to sell books uh, at someone's home and they keep cutting from angle to angle like a shot reverse shot basically and that uh, like there's only one camera how can you it feels like they're staging the entire scene is it i mean is it not but, like is it not likely that they've just filmed you know, had the camera on one person asking questions and then film, could, yeah. you cut it with another you know and then for the next sort of half hour put it on that person because the thing as well you've got to take into account that the cameras they're using only could take seven minutes of film mm, yeah so i i'm not entirely convinced by that, I yeah, you know, I, I do see what you're saying. That, but you know, just get reaction shots. I suppose you could film the scene with having, you know, if you're trying to sell something, just put the camera right on the person, and then just have them talking off screen. 
Hmm. I think, to be honest with you, I think the reason you kind of get that, that kind of shot reverse shot structure is because perhaps they were a little bit slaves to film form. Perhaps they weren't as free as they yeah. thought they were, you know, breaking away from reality, which is you know, when we're talking about the, the student, obviously they're, 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 they're going to be influenced by what they see. Hmm. I, you know, and I think perhaps it has more to do with the fact that they're just trying to, in a way, mimic more mainstream films, but obviously with a completely different sort of sense. Yeah, they're making a documentary film, not a fictional film. Yeah, and obviously, I like I said earlier, I I do really like the film. I'm sort of I'm putting out points here just to yeah, yeah, yeah. get my point across and just have you point your point across. But uh, it's not like uh, all of these things that I'm mentioning. It's not that they completely ruined the film for me. It's just some of the things that pull my uh, pull my appreciation back a bit. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it, one of the things about Salesman is even when you go and watch a documentary now, um, the amount of production that goes into them is ridiculous. I saw a brilliant film, a documentary film the other week called The Gatekeepers um, about the kind of the Israeli secret services. Mm. And it, it had, you know, CGI that belonged in any thriller and it was, you know, it, it was so massively produced, and it was, you know, essentially talking heads film, um, intercut with all these different scenes. But it kind of kept driving me out. And when I went back to Salesman, um, I, I know what you're saying about the kind of cuts here, but I was just so relieved to see a film which doesn't have that level of manipulation. Hmm. And it, again, we can talk about the kind of the real versus not real debate. But I, I I felt when I was watching it, it it feels like a far more pure, honest form of cinema. And of course, you know, as soon as you make a cut, you you sort of break that that bond, I suppose. You 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 do sort of enter the realm of manipulation. But I was just so impressed with how um, raw this film felt. I I, I did think it, and it, it does capture genuine moments. I I don't I don't think anyone could possibly deny that. I I think it does. It shows this world, um, and and it's a fairly horrible world that these men inhibit, isn't it? Yeah, and thing about the they capturing like authentic moments, you can see that when they're going into the houses, the um, the people that are being um, sold to, they are they're not reacting to the camera as much as they are reacting to the performance of the salesman, because. You can only focus on so much at a time, and the salesmen, they are putting on a show, so their attention is, I would say, mostly focused on these salesmen pitching to them, and I feel like they are definitely giving much of themselves to the salesmen, and like I don't feel that they are putting on any artifice um, to the camera. Yeah, that's the thing about these guys, is that these are... Yeah, they're manipulators, aren't they? Yeah. And, and I, I, want, I wanted to talk about, just before we go and talk about the, 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 these guys in general, is the morality of what they were doing. Mm. Because um, it, to me, it's absolutely morally reprehensible what they are actually doing. Because they are going essentially going into people's houses. And these aren't affluent homes, are they? They are your rank it's and file. class. Yeah, they're the, your rank and file, bread and butter sunday worshippers i mean it is they are it's, they're you know, from the catholic church they're all catholics aren't they the ones that they're going into mm. and it's it's the fact that they're going in there trying to convince them that spending money that they don't have on these bible sets that they don't need i mean you know, i think even one woman says it she's had the same bible since she was a kid 
you know what why does she need all these kind of you know fancy pictures and the way these kind of guys and it's not only the salesmen who are kind of peddling this but it's the kind of the people that are employing them are trying to kind of build this sense that what they are doing is somehow for the betterment of mankind when really they're turning religion into a commodity that can be sold in people's living rooms and i i that's one of the things about this film it still gobsmacks me as to how reprehensible what they are doing is yeah it goes completely against what christianity is uh, proclaiming of the love thy neighbor and like um you should have you, like uh, helping the ones that are lower class and all these things it, it 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 has nothing to do with religion these bibles it's all about marketing and commodity and like making a living it has nothing to do with spreading the the word of jesus no it, it it's 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 not they're not trying to make a better society and it is constantly drummed into you when you're watching the film that these guys are just obsessed with making money. Mm. And their aspirations are that, that, that none of them talk about what they're doing in terms of, our, oh, you know, we're going to kind of improve this place by kind of getting Jesus in God into these people's lives. It's basically we just keep coming back to them saying that next year I want to earn like fifty five thousand dollars. I want to earn thirty five thousand dollars. Fifty five thousand dollars in nineteen sixty seven. Fifty five thousand dollars was three hundred and twenty thousand dollars. And it's preposterous because these Bibles cost like ten dollars. And I was trying to work out, you know, like what, what what's their commission? And I was going to be generous and say, you know, no, it costs forty nine ninety five, I think. Well, yeah, yeah, but there were just Bible, just ordinary oh, yeah. Bibles that okay. were like ten dollars. So I was trying to like, you know, get an idea of, you know, I was, I was trying to work out what the sort of you know, their commission rates were, and you know, to, to earn the amounts that they think they're going to earn, clearly that they're as deluded as anyone in the yeah. film, and, and they could have chosen any subject, any salesman to do but they specifically chose bible salesmen and you have to look at the choice that that choice because i think they are trying to make a statement um or letting the film or or just the actions of the people make a statement about the morality of what is going on because the other thing i found quite disturbing as well about it is um they actually knock on the door and they say don't they we're from the church Hmm. they don't say we're from xyz sales agency they actually say they turn up people's houses and say we are from the church and I think it's at one of the conventions that they're at. You actually see a priest. So it must have endorsement in some official capacity from the Catholic Church. Yeah, I can't understand otherwise. I, th- I think they get their list from the local Catholic Church where people have they have written their names up on a list to be approached by these salesmen. And then th- there must be some sort of collaboration with the sales agency, yeah. Yeah, and again, when I was watching it, I, I just... It was, it was just mind-boggling to me that this was, and then it made me begin to think about you know, the the fact that it's this kind of collision of religion and the modern world, mm. modern consumerism, and the, a capitalist society. That you know, just because a Bible has a few pictures in it, and that that's somehow better than what you've already got. You're going to get a better spiritual experience from buying what they're selling than what you what you have in in your life at the moment, and. Yeah, it, it troubled me greatly, really, when I was watching the film. And mm. it, it's when you see the people buying them 
I don't think they're buying them because they think, oh, yeah, they, they're, they're believing. I think they're buying it because it's sort of out of guilt or the yeah. fact that they feel they should be buying them for some reason. Like you, it, It's like they can't say no to them. Yeah. They have the inability to say no to these salesmen. And, uh, yeah, I found that really, really thing. And you see some of them, like, literally, they, I think they, they, well, the sales kind of package, it's like a dollar a week or something, isn't it? Mm. And you see this woman just say, oh, I just can't afford one dollar a week. And I've got so many things going on. And they're, they're just so pushy and... Yeah, aggressive. Yeah, and you're thinking, how can you, how can you sleep at night as yeah. to what you do? And it's interesting that we talked about uh, how they're dealing with the modernization of the world but most documentary films dealing with that sort of 60s development they focus on the hippie movement and yeah. radicalization and all of this but they mesos have focused on these more ordinary quote-unquote citizens these like the regular people that are still going through these same changes but in a much lesser radical degree and they are still suffering with the same issues and going through the same motions, but it's in a completely different environment. And I, I thought that was, um, it's quite interesting watching this one and watching something like Gimme Shelter where yeah. you can see that the same themes are popping up but entirely different environments. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's such a good point. I mean, this you think, well, this film was made in, what, 1969? You think what was going on, Vietnam, counterculture, going to the moon. There's all these massive cultural things going on hmm. and instead these guys have decided to make a film about these kind of yeah old men who kind of chain smoke and drink and walk around to um, suburbia selling bibles and it, it's its ordinariness which i think makes it such an important so uh, historical document in yeah. many respects because you're literally going into the homes of these people and there's, there's a brilliant scene quite near the end where they're in that guy's home, and he said he puts on this sort of Muzak version yeah. of the Beatles, and it it, it it perfectly sums up what you're saying because yeah, we have got the you know, the Beatles are being this you know these youth icons, and you got this guy who's got this kind of like sanitized, watered down version of it, and this is what one of the things I I I love about Salesman. It's a very funny film, I think. Yeah, I, I think the scene that caused me to laugh out loud was the scene where uh, the badger Paul is sitting at home with a or sitting at someone's home where she 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 can't really speak English she doesn't really understand yeah, English yeah. and he's trying to convince her like yeah. how she's going to pay for this and she doesn't get a thing and the words I think he like she's trying he's saying at some point do you understand what I'm saying and I couldn't even process what he was trying to say to her because he was so he became so agitated and he, he was so incredibly pushy and using like very peculiar words to describe what he was trying to do and I just couldn't follow his line of thought and he was he's a sad sad man this man I I, I can't follow his his sales logic how he attempts to do this yeah well I mean, this is it because it's like you're almost glad when they don't make a sale. Yeah. And, and you laugh at them for their sort of stupidity. But the thing I found as well, they constantly mock the people they're selling to. All the time, yeah. When, when they get back, they just take the piss out of all of them. You know, um, the Irish one, he keeps doing, uh, I think it's Paul, he keeps doing Irish impressions, doesn't he? Mm. And like, he's like whining, saying, oh, I can't afford it. And they've got absolutely no respect for the people that, whose homes they go into. And, it just makes them even more horrible. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, yeah, it, it's interesting that 
Yeah, and like these people that are selling Bibles, they have no respect for the other man. Yeah. And what I think the film does really well, it does go back to these kind of conventions, sales conventions they're at, where you just see them all sat there. And again, it might be the manipulation that they might have filmed the scene of them all sat there looking bored 10 minutes before the person who apparently talking came on. They might have been sat there for half an hour. You don't know. And yeah, again, it comes to this idea when you want to be manipulated by a film because that shot could have been taken anywhere. But you see them all just sat there staring impassively forward, smoking. They've got absolutely no interest in what the guy's talking about. But their sort of managers are even more horrible because one of them talks about eliminating people. And he says something. It wasn't because of sales or this. It's because they just weren't the right type of person. And he's trying to make them feel privileged that they're actually in this kind of crappy job, Mm. which they clearly just these jaded, beaten people. And once once upon a time, I actually got duped into I I had a a call from a marketer, um, a recruitment consultant who said that there was a marketing agency. um, They wanted someone to go and work in their creative department. And I thought that sounds all right. And when I went there, it became sort of it dawned on me quite quickly when I got there. It wasn't anything like it was. And they wanted me to be a door to door salesman. And it was all smoke and mirrors, basically trying to kind of dupe you, because basically what they were trying to explain was the fact that it was such a horrible job that they have to dupe people into doing it. They can't just sort of say, you know, do you want to be a door to door salesman? They have to actually kind of lie and deceive you into thinking that you're going to. And I, 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 I walked out before I, as soon as I found out what I was actually going to be doing, I said like that. And the guy was really apologetic towards me. because I, I did get quite irritated because it kind of wasted my time and that kind of thing. Hmm. And it, it just dawned on me when he said, when I was watching this film, that that's an industry where they have to dupe people into working in it. And yeah, it's it, it, you do not want to be you don't look at these people and want to be them in any way shape or form no. they, they are they are just these tragic old men and, and i think i think that's that's another thing that kind of holds my appreciation back again that it's just riddled with these characters that i have so little regard for that there comes a point where I'm sort of thinking, why am I still watching these characters? Or I can't, I can't really muster up any any interest anymore for these how these characters are going along. You're not cheering them on to get sales, are you? No, you don't. You don't. You don't sort of think to yourself like uh, it doesn't end with like you know one of them getting promoted or anything like that. And to me, it's part of the charm. But I mean, I'm I'm slightly more horrible than you, I think, because I actually don't, <laughs> I, I don't actually like many of the people whose homes they're in anyway. I I sort of think they're idiots as well in some Mm. respects and the the way they kind of just sort of let these guys in. And it's, I know what you mean. It's a, it's a hard film to sort of root for anyone because they're so horrible in in so many respects, but it's a film like it's it's an entire industry based on lies. And how can I like, uh, it's hard to like a film that is all about lies and like only deals with characters that are lying all the time. And I mean, this is, I suppose, one question for you, but I mean, we have kind of, uh, Paul the Badger becomes, Mm. uh, he becomes the the more focal point of the film. And at any stage whatsoever, do you sort of have a a, a pain of sort of vague kind of pity for him, other than the fact that he's just a complete washed up kind of second rate salesman? Yeah, you can see that his demise is, it's like, you know, it's coming. And the more I... I watched the film uh, two times now in uh, two days and 
I feel like the second time it's even more obvious that this guy is not cut out for this business and the more I watch how he approaches people and how he talks to them even less sympathy I get for him because he has no respect for them and the way he treats people and the way he, he almost harasses them when they are not interested in buying it. It's just that, yeah, I have uh, little regard for this character at all. Yeah, it, it, it's strange because it's like with Paul. In a way, in another film, it, other filmmakers would have made it out. We, we could have seen him at his home and basically he's got his fridge with a pint of milk and hmm. a four-day-old bit of ham in there. Yeah, they could have made him out to be. I, I, I don't think it would have been too hard to to really sort of pile on the emotional misery for this guy. No. And I think what the film sort of offers really is the fact that it, really this is where they're all going to end up. These yeah. kind of bitter old men who really it's nineteen sixty nine. Their day is it's over. You know, their time has come and gone, and that that's it really. He's and, the only one smart enough to like yeah. notice it. Yeah, and, and it's it's this sort of sense that this era is coming to an end, and these guys, you know, really, what they're going to do in the modern world in the seventies? I mean, what 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 job what jobs are they going to be there for them? You know, and it, it, it is. I, I think it's kind of tragic in a way, and it, I think he's a tragic figure, but he he's someone who I, I look at and I just think, you know, what you've got exactly what you you deserve, really. And the, the the best thing I've, I've read about this character was he's Paul is the one person on planet Earth who you do not want to turn into. <laughs> yeah, it's like the least desirable person to be is this guy. And when I was watching it with that in mind, I, I mean, I have to be honest with you, I, I was sat there thinking, "Good God, if 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 I if my life ended up like his, I, I, I think I'd end it." it's just that tragic yeah it's just that sad that this guy's sort of going around and the worst thing is he's always singing if i was a rich man yeah which makes it even sadder really that he's probably been singing that his entire life and all he's got to show for it really is like you know the young upstarts around him are sort of mocking him aren't they because he can't hit his target mm. and i think one of the, he says something like oh you know the people around here are, are second rate or something like that and i think one of them makes like a little kind of diggy at him like saying basically well you know is, is, is it not the kind of the salesman stuff like that and it it's it, not the, it's not a bum territory it's the bum in the territory or yeah, something. yeah yeah something like that and it's just this little sort of digs at him and it's like you can just tell he's going to get bullied and eventually kind of shunted away and yeah, did you will... see yeah the scene where he he follows another salesman into the house and yeah. the other salesman just basically drags him down into the mud yeah, and it's it's just a punch bag for everyone around him, and it's yeah, he doesn't help his own cause because, like I said, he's constantly taking the mick out of everyone. Yeah. Um, he's, he's meant to be sane too, but it's yeah, it's an interesting film in that respect. I I, I you know I, I do salute the 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 bravery of it because hmm. a lot of documentaries they they're itching to create. Um, you know, to, to evoke the same kind of emotions you get from fictional films. I don't think this does. I think it's a little bit more brutal on its subject matter mm. um, than, than a lot of things. But I just want to talk as well about the kind of the style of the film because it's it's interesting to me the fact that, like I said, you. I mean, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm just a quick aside here. I mean, do you like Michael Moore films? Uh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan, but he's 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 one of those documentary filmmakers who you, you you're watching his films. 
because of the personality that's in them as well. Yeah. Like, someone like Werner Herzog, very much, I think, yeah. takes takes part. He's part of the attraction of watching a Werner Herzog documentary is you want to hear, um, I'm sure Stuart will kind of back up that 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 that, <laughs> that um that, that voice you know and uh, i know i know she has a, a minor obsession that you sound a bit like Werner herzog i don't personally see it myself but uh, you, you know you watch Werner herzog film and i want to watch it for that for that narration and he's sort of sly piss taking sometimes it, it's funny you know but the main thing is they just you, you never see them in the film only by accident yeah and you can see you're only seeing like um booms in the shot or something and yeah, uh, yeah. It doesn't have that that sheen to it that mm. a lot of documentaries have, and again, that's one of the things where I I, I think you do become more kind of invested in the people that you're seeing. You do sort of perhaps you you, you don't think you don't you're not taken out of the reality of the film. I think it's a documentary style that I well, for one really appreciate. Yeah, well, it goes sort of back to the what we were talking about in the beginning, where they're trying to create this environment where they are not existing. But the the shots that they are showing it sort of contradicts that notion. But yeah, I would agree that you're more you're more focused on the subject than uh, the camera crew. You are. Yeah, and it's again, it's the kind of the overproduction of, of documentaries now, um, hmm. where you're completely aware that you're yeah. watching uh, you know, <laughs> something that has been created artificially. With this, I. I, I to me, it's all part of the charm of this type of movement, and I, I, it, in a way, in the we live in the age of reality television. Apparently, reality television. I say that in inverted commas, and the, and it's. I at least feel this is more of an honourable attempt at not trying to manipulate the actual scene because they can interject at any time, and and there are some of the takes that are quite long as well. Obviously, they're kind of time limited to seven minutes, but. Mm. Um, you you never hear them. They never interview the the characters either, and I, I think no. that's another interesting because interview on a, is is a way of retrospectively sometimes um, changing the, a scene as well. We don't have Paul saying, "Well, in this scene, you know, I, I was trying to do this," or you don't you don't hear his kind of inner thoughts really, other than see them. And I find that from where we are now with television where it's all you know, even like reality tv programs or like the apprentice or something like that on here it's just so contrived and so manipulated and i hear what you're saying the fact that you know their mere presence is obviously going to affect the situation somehow but to me it's, it's just refreshing to see filmmakers get out the way and let the subject that they're trying to film kind of speak for itself which i think this film does i, I do think it, it, it's all there it, it does the message there the the blatant kind of hypocrisy of what they're doing it's all it's laid bare i think mm. in the film and a part of that comes from the fact that the filmmakers let that that let that voice come out by itself and this yeah i would agree they don't ask the subjects to interact with them but you can see that sometimes they do they do play for the camera and they do like uh, throw lines at the camera or the cameraman and you can see that some of the families they are talking to all three of them at once uh, in some of the scenes but uh, yeah it is a, a much much less obvious or much less pervasive than something like Michael Moore standing there with a microphone or Werner Herzog holding the the or the camera camera recorder saying that you shouldn't watch this <laughs> this is too horrendous for you to watch yeah and it's like I mean like another filmmaker I really like is Nick Broomfield 
and mm. um, I always like his films. But yeah, he plays this kind of he plays a character of this sort of slightly inquisitive, non-offensive Englishman who turns up with his headphone and his camera boom and you know asks these kind of questions. But he's you know he's obviously trying to manipulate the scene as much as he possibly can by asking questions which he knows are going to make people angry or. Yeah get a reaction one way or the other and it's what Nick Brimfield does best and I'm not saying in any way I, I kind of look down on documentary filmmakers who do that I, I I certainly don't but I just think it's nice to see a, a non-interventionist kind of style that these guys say these guys have because as well you know, the other thing as well about the film you can hear the camera whirring away as well there's no hmm. attempt to sort of hide the fact that um you can hear it there. It's, 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 like you said, I think a lot of the people perhaps whose houses are in, I think they think it's perhaps quite exotic to have a camera crew in yeah. there, like listening away. And, um, I, I, it'd be interesting. I, I bet there's a lot of, I mean, you could make it, I bet there's a very interesting film in the edit room for salesmen. You could have made this film in many, many, many ways. Hmm. And, um, I, I think what they've actually achieved with it is something quite exceptional. Yeah, I would agree. Um, even though uh, the caveats that I have are small, but I do, I do really like the film. And I, I, I think I, I've gained some appreciation through the conversation uh, as well. But another thing you were talking about uh, earlier with the reality TV, I feel, and this is just a thought I had right now, but with the the massive explosion of like social media, I feel like reality TV is, is something that I can't see really anyone being as inquisitive or as interested in that type of cinema anymore or that type of tv because we're bombarded with like facebook images and twitter and everything is given to us of how other people's lives are at the moment right now and why would i want to watch a reality tv show when i feel like everywhere i turn i'm told how other people live yeah it is an interesting point i mean i've gone through this phase recently of of, it's, it's over it's reality overload yeah you, know, you can go look on facebook now and it's like oh you know i've got quite a strict unfriending policy now where if you put things on there which are just so inane every day i kind of i just switch off you know i'm going to the gym you know great good for you you know <laughs> well well done you know not not i went to the gym and you won't believe what happens um i got there and a, a bear broke in you know, it's, there's nothing, is there? It's just this inane crap, basically. And yeah, it's it's why I think, I suppose films like Salesman are so unique because they do capture banality and hmm. stuff which isn't interesting and give it to you in a compelling way, Yeah, which it sort of lacks. We sort of lack, don't we? But we've got this like reality overload, but it's just, it's just white noise all yeah. the time. And I'm... I'm, I'm I'd be genuinely interested, you know, to see where kind of things go because you know, even if someone just made a film, um, you know, about a, a minute of their day for the, for the next ten years, it would be interesting to a degree just by what it didn't, what it doesn't show, you know, how sort of mundane and kind of boring most people's lives are. You know, life didn't, is. Yeah, didn't Danny Boyle create a film uh, last year called uh, One or something where he collected like one minute shorts or something from YouTube or... I oh, no, was that not Ridley Scott did that? Ridley Scott, yeah, maybe. I think it, I think it was Ridley Scott and um, was it Kevin MacDonald, the documentary? Yeah, yeah, I, think, yeah. I think that was it. And then they did, no, they did something like that. Yeah, and that's that's what interests me. You know, you know do, do, yeah, do, do a Facebook kind of reality thing where everyone films 
um, their journey to work or something, or a snippet of their journey to work, just to, to see you know, what, what the differences and the similarity, you know, little things like that. And I, hmm. I, I don't think really we're making the best use of the kind of the technologies that there and the, the outlets there to really do genuinely interesting things in capturing reality. No, I think most of it is. It's just you know Twitter. Yeah. It's just you get sort of more provocative things put on there that kind of sparks debate. But for the most part, yeah, it's just so boring and banal and dull. And uh, yeah, it, it seems like it seems like we've been given a gift um, of, of all this kind of reality, the ways of capturing reality. And we don't really use it as, as much as we should. Hmm. But another thing that I am pleased about modern society is that door-to-door salesmen they're pretty much gone. <laughs> Well, actually, um, I, I, I have, I've had to put a sign on my door saying, oh. please, please stop, because we get a lot of, in, in Manchester, I don't know, like religious groups and things like that who knock on the door. And sometimes I accidentally open the door, and as soon as I see them stand there, I'm like, oh, my God. Mormons <laughs> are the best. They are my favourites because they're just insane. And you can have a, you can have a, good, you can have a good laugh with them. But, no, uh, unfortunately, in England, we do still have a plague of door-to-door salesmen. I think it's slightly different in Norway. Your country's too big and sparsely populated. I yeah. can't see how you can make a decent living out of it. No. Uh, we get uh, an odd few students, like art students, trying to sell their paintings or something, but it's very seldom. Oh, God, that sounds like bliss. I get... You know, I'd, I'd love to sort of sit there and someone try and sell me art. <laughs> I get, you know, can we come in and talk about this Hoover that we're trying to sell that's £15,000? <laughs> just utter, utter an entity. But no, um, overall, I, I mean, I, I love Salesman. Um, I think it's a brilliant film. It's definitely one of my favourite films in the Master of Cinema collection. Um, I've got the Criterion edition also, which is pretty great. Uh, it's not a film that's really screaming out for a Blu-ray release, is it? Let's be honest. No, it's not. And this is a, yeah, this, as you said, this is a DVD, um, not a Blu-ray that we usually do, but yeah. Um, um, I did read the uh, the essay that is uh, included. I think that is uh, posted, the same one that is posted online on uh, Eureka's uh, homepage. And that was quite a fascinating read, the production notes, uh, I think it was. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got some... Um... Yeah, definitely some interesting stuff in it. And there's a good interview with um, Albert Maysells. And if you go, I mean, on the Master Winner site um, site now, and it's got a great picture of all the kind of the lead characters standing outside the premiere of the film, it looks like, mm. um, all looking very pleased with themselves. And I wonder what they made of it. I think um, yeah, Paul said that um, Disregard the Critics or something, he made a very good film. I think he wrote a note to the Maysells brothers. I think I read that. Oh, right. Okay, cool. So, yeah, uh, it's a... Uh, yeah, it's it's one of my favourite films in the collection, and um, it's. It, I remember it came out quite a while ago now, and um, it, it, I I saw it at university, and it was really hard to get hold of until my cinema put it out, and um, it was one of those releases that you know I was particularly looking forward to, it, and this was years ago when I bought it. I can't it must have been seven eight years ago. Hmm. I got it, and uh, yeah, it was certainly a pride of place in my collection. It's one of my favourite films. So, I mean, overall, I mean, anything else you want to add on salesman? No, I think that is it. Yeah, um, like I said, we can't really kind of go into the, the it's the, the the quality of it too much, really, because it's just a pretty standard DVD. Um, yeah, it's, it's as good it's as good as it's ever going to look, really, isn't it? I think that's the sort of the uh, what they've done with it, and you know, mono audio. Um, overall, though, definitely worth checking out. Has it been on any special offers? Have you seen? Uh, not that I've seen. No. Let me just check it on Amazon. Well, that's all the bad news is. Um, if you are thinking of picking this one up, um, the new to buy it new is going to cost you ninety nine pounds oh. on Amazon at the moment, and you can buy it, pick it up um, for used um, for a bargain of forty pounds. So, um, isn't, can, isn't it available on Eureka's office site? 
Um, I can't actually see it on the uh, Eureka website, so I, it might be one of the ones that's gone out of print. Um, it is still available on Love Film. Uh, Master Cinema actually stopped allowing their catalogue to be used on that. Um, I think it was from The Iron Horse onwards, uh, but you still can, can rent it on there. So if you're in Britain and you've got a Love Film account, you'll be able to rent it. I think you said, Joachim, you can see it on Hulu too. Yeah, if you're an American citizen and you have a Hulu Plus account, it is available on the Criterion uh, genre pickster, yeah. Yeah, um, I don't think there's anything else really we kind of need to add, is there? No, pretty much done. So that's going to be it. Joachim, where can they find more of us? You can find us at moccast.blogspot.com. You can find us at Twitter at uh, moc underscore cast. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for Massive Cinema Cast. Find us on Tumblr. You can find me at the film man. Okay, cool. You can find me on my other podcast, Twenty Four Framescast. You can find me on Twitter at Twenty Four Framescast. Email me Twenty Four Framescast at gmail dot com. Uh, many thanks for listening. If you have got time, please drop by uh, the Apple um, website and leave a review of the podcast there. Cause it does help us attract more listeners. So many thanks for listening, and we'll be in contact soon. Bye. <laughs>